0: Welcome to the Four Freedom Podcast.
1: I found my freedom in you. I found the joy I can't lose. And thank God it's true you wrapped your arms around me and heaven broke
0: through from the moment you found me. I found my freedom in you. This podcast exists bring the freedom of the gospel for everyday Christians with everyday issues. Now here are your hosts, James Seyfert and Brett Marvin. Well, welcome to the Fort Freedom podcast.
1: Thank you for being with us today. We're back in our series, Freedom in the Church. But before that, we just want to welcome you back. Uh, James, what's going on in your world today?
0: Well, we're back in the hot seat, Brett, back in the studio, back in our offices recording. And uh, man, it's been a busy week. It's been a good weekend. We had our marriage conference this past weekend and uh, ordained a deacon this past Sunday. Just a great time of fellowship and uh, just being able to be around God's people. It's been a blessing. Um, i have loving going through this series of In the Church and uh, where we're at and loving talking through some of these topics that um we have sort of been uh, taboo topics or topics that we've been preached or heard one way uh but it's been great to be able to talk through these things and uh some of the interviews that we've got lined up are just phenomenal uh but yeah things are going great and uh still uh I, i'm in that phase brett where i'm still in that honeymoon phase uh, at the church you know we're we're sort of testing and seeing how things are going and throwing things against the wall and seeing if they stick. And if they don't, we pull them back off the wall and we go with it. So that's sort of where I'm at in that first uh, couple of months of ministry. And uh, it's been exciting. It's been good. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's a little nerve wracking. It's nervous. You know, What am I going to make a bad choice or a bad decision? And a lot of, a lot of prayer, a lot of uh, coveting and, and following the Lord in that prayer. And uh, it's been, been good. So, how are things on your end that you're in a possible building project Man, here coming up?
1: Yes, we have, uh, we decided to enlarge our fellowship hall. Um, and we had one plan and the deacons had a plan and then we had our committee meeting. We formed a committee cause we we're a good Baptist church Amen. and uh, we, we formed a committee to, uh, do the building project. And then, you know, we, we threw that plan out, and got a new plan, but, um, no, just kidding. We're we're ready to go and we're excited about what the future holds for us. You said that you're still in your honeymoon phase. Well, this is, you know, entering into, you know, two years for me, two full years here. So honeymoon is over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, we're we're trying some different things and you know, I've got a little bit of change in my pocket and we're seeing how much we can buy with it. And uh, I'm just just like you, I'm excited for ministry. I can't believe I get to do what I get to do with my life. I am so blessed to get to serve God full time. Um, So much in my ministry, I never thought that I would have the privilege of being in full time ministry, full time pastor. I'm so blessed uh, to get to be able to do this with my life. And uh, I'm excited about the church that we're at. And uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to go. And uh, so that's about it.
0: I love it. And, uh, you know, me and my wife, we we try to make it a habit of us. And I teach us our church as well, that the length of amount of time that you pray for something should be the equivalent of amount of length of time that you praise the Lord for that answered prayer. So if you pray for something for five years, you should praise the Lord for five years, not five seconds that it happened. Um, exactly. so, That's so, so we, man. yeah, we've, I learned that in college from a professor of mine and it was just eye-opening for me. Cause oftentimes we'll pray and pray and pray and God will answer that prayer. And then we're just like, okay, thank you, Lord. And we forget about it. And so Absolutely. we, uh, we've been praying for the last three years for us to be a senior pastor, be a lead pastor of a church. So it's been good these last six months just to be able to pray and have a, that we pray at night together and just thank the Lord that we're in that position, we're in that role, we're where God wants us to be. You know, it took three years to get there, but it was those time of growing, that time of healing, the time of preparing us for where we're at. And so it's been good and exciting to see God work in in mighty ways. Uh, it's literally nothing that I could ever do. Uh, it's all God's work, and I'm just thankful just to be able to be part of that uh back in the in the back of the bus and just watching god move and god work and me just get to be a part of the ride you know amen it's nothing like it praise the yeah, lord it is so well that's sort of the back seat of uh, uh, our ministry life there uh you probably may have fast-forwarded the last couple of minutes just to get to the episode uh but before we get to that uh, we've got a couple of things coming up we've got our uh meet up in katusa uh in november Um, hopefully you'll be planning to do that the first weekend in November. It's going to be a great time of fellowship down there, hanging out with the family, hanging out with uh, those of like-minded faith. Uh, We'll be going to Indianapolis for uh, the convention. And uh, if you're going to be there or in that area, let us know. Uh, Me and Brett have booked our house. We're going to be staying in a house there. And uh, we'll be at the convention every day there. I'll be there Saturday through through Thursday, I believe it is. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to come and hang out with us. I think Brett's going to take me on a tour of the Holy Lands, which is the uh, Hiles Anderson uh, fairgrounds uh, where all the parties happen. they the great statue. And we're going to pay homage to Jack Hiles and, and pray at his feet and uh, make the trip to Mecca uh, to see the Holy Lands. And so hopefully uh, you'll be there in the area and you can come hang out with us. Uh, but speaking of the real Holy Lands, Brett, why don't you tell us about our trip coming up almost one year from now?
1: Yes, we are going to Israel. Me and James are taking our churches and our fr- and some close friends. Uh, we're going back to Israel. We have it on good authority uh, that by the time next March rolls around, tourism will be open. We've got people uh, on the ground in Israel who are, are contacts for us that are uh, letting us know the situation. And uh, we want you to go. If you're a listener of the podcast and you have never been to Israel, uh, you will never regret it. You'll never regret spending the money. You'll never regret going. You'll never regret using the vacation days to go. I'm telling you, um, this is planned around spring break. So we planned it to where most schools are on spring break during the month of March. And uh, we are going back to Israel, and it's going to be a week on the ground, uh, starting at the the northern part, in Caesarea Philippi in Israel, and working our way all the way down. Once we come back from our summer break, we've got a series planned on Israel, and uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, because I love talking about it. Uh, there's a pastor, a pastor, Brother Stephen Evans, in the, um, he's the pastor of First Baptist Church here in the county, when we get in our pastor's meeting, he's been to Israel several times. And when me and him get to talking about Israel back and forth, we can take over the, pre- the, the preacher's meeting because we just we love talking about it so much. Um, but it's something you'll never regret doing. And so we want to invite everybody that can and want to start saving now. Let us know that you're interested. Uh, send us a message and because we want everybody to go that wants to go.
0: Absolutely. I can't wait to go back, ma'am. I can't wait to be there, be with you again, and uh, hopefully be able to take our brides as well and uh, hang out uh, in a wonderful time there. So, Brett, we're in the In the Church series, and we're starting a new topic today. We've discussed uh, abuse the last couple of weeks, but today we get to jump into the next topic, which is worship our view of worship sometimes can be skewed by the way we are raised or by what we've been taught in the past. And so we're wanting to realign our thoughts with scripture, realign our thoughts of what worship is and uh, why it's so important in our life to uh, worship. And when we say the word worship immediately, what we think of is music and music is important. It's a, it's a vital part of our society. It's a vital part of our personal life. God created music for us to use to specifically worship him. In the very beginning, we see instruments, we see choirs, we see people playing those instruments, <laughs> singing, and using their talents to worship and to glorify God. But we also can see that it's used as an idol. Worship can be an idol, and it can be taking us away from God. And so as we begin this thought of worship, and we're going to go through some specifics of helps that we can have, but then also ways that we can worship God. Uh, Brett, what is worship in our mind? How how do we define this, and how do we work through this in our uh, thought of Scripture and in our life?
1: I think the first thing we have to understand, worship is not limited to just church. Mm. But at the same time, when we come to church, we have to understand that we're not coming to church just to sit. We're not. We need to get out of this consumerism attitude that we're here just to sit. We're here to take in. Um, we. I preached about this uh, Sunday, and that's why it's on my heart. Is because you know we are priests in the church. We belong to a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, and, and when we come to church, we have a job to do. One of those jobs, it described in the Bible, is a sacrifice of praise. And Hebrews 13 tells us that the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips. You know, it, it, it's it's crazy to come to church and see people not sing. Uh, yeah. We are there to worship God. I, I mean, I'll tell you, music is a big part of my ministry because I was a music director for the first decade and a half of my ministry. And when, when I left the IFB, music was— my biggest hurdle it was my biggest thing that i had an issue with because even though i had left the ifb i left legalism him only 1950 style piano only music i left that There was still it was still ingrained in me my whole life that certain types of music are wrong certain beats certain instruments and so at this new church that i was p- now pastoring They had screen music, so they had the computer set up. You might lead a hymn or two, but then you would play a couple songs on the screen, and I would get on the PowerPoint, and I would uh, pick the songs. And I went through, and every worship song they had on that computer that had any type of drum beat, I took it and put it in its own separate folder because I was afraid that, you know, that anybody from my old church might come in and hear this music and think, oh, well, what's Brett's doing? He's he's went liberal because he's playing this this hard music. So it was two years of some of the most boring music you've ever heard in your life. But it took me a while to kind of warm up to different styles of music, and hymn worship is is not the only way to do it. There are several uh, different types of music, and we need to embrace more than just the piano you know we need to embrace more than that. Listen to all these different instruments that are used in the Bible. in in the Bible, we use bells, harps, and it's not the harps like we think today. a lyre is like the guitar of the day. flutes, cymbals, sultry trumpets, pipes, dulcimers, chauffeurs, drums, and that's just to name a few. There are many other different types of 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 music in the Bible and and James, I don't know if you know this or not. I think it's a well-kept secret, but did you know that when David worshipped, he danced? Amen. Oh, man, that's Dance crazy. Dance with the
0: Lord. You oh, know, man. <clears throat> Brett, you were sharing a story there about your uh, your in ministry there. So in college, this is a true story uh, I shared it with our church just a couple of months ago. Uh, in college, my wife went to a Casting Crowns concert. And uh, at the time we were dating— And if I'm lying, I'm dying right now, Brett. I told her that I don't know if our relationship would last because she was going to a Casting Crowns concert. (laughs) I told her that we may have to break up because I was a Southern Gospel, hymns only, like, contemporary music and casting crowns was, was Satan. It was, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you're going liberal. It was Satan. Like they were worshiping demons up there on stage. They had flashing lights, right? I mean, we, we can't have that in the church.
1: And so I I
0: told her, I said, I don't know if we're, if, if our, if our relationship will last through you going to casting crowns, she went, and of course we got married. And uh, this, I mean, we we go to Winter Jam, we go to Extreme Winter, we take our kids to I think Seventh Day Slumber is going to be there this year, Skillet, things like that. Like it, it's crazy the other side of that, but we look back on it and we laugh because that was such a we we considered that like they're not even worshiping God, but yet we have some other instances in Scripture where. Yes, music is used not to worship God. We see uh, a specific example of the children of Israel. They were receiving the Ten Commandments. They were receiving worship from God. They were receiving what they should and shouldn't do. And yet they were tired of waiting. And while they were tired of waiting, they began to worship. And the Bible says they played foreign music. And the, the Bible even goes on to say it sounded like war music because they were taking on the music Of the enemies and of the pagan gods. And in Exodus chapter 32, we get this um, illustration where it talks about this thought of idols and and music being played. And so I'm going to read it, Exodus 32, verse 17 and 18, once I get there. It said, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they were shouting, he said to Moses, There is a sound of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of those who shout for victory, nor is it the sound of those who cry because of being overcome. But I hear the sound of singing. And as they came near the camp, they saw a calf and dancing and music. And Moses' anger burned, so he threw the tables uh, from his hands and shattered them at the bottom of the mountain. And he took the calf which they had made and he burned it into the fire, ground it in the powder and scattered it in the water and made the children of Israel to drink it. So we see here that Yes, music can be used as a tool of good, but it can also be used as a tool of bad. And music and worship is so powerful in our life. Uh, it affects us in a mighty way. Colossians 3.16 talks about uh, what we put in our body, what we put in our life is uh, affecting every area of our life. And that everything that we should do and say and work and and have a part of should be to glorify God in everything we do. And oftentimes we get to the point where we, we are putting things in our body that aren't glorifying God, that aren't uh, taking our mind toward God, but taking our mind away from God. Let me read that, Ephesia, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Ultimately, Brett, worship is an act of acknowledging the greatness of God, acknowledging who he is and what he's done and how we can glorify him in everything we do. This is our words, our thoughts, our actions, our emotions. Everything is turning glory back to God.
1: Amen. Amen. Uh, absolutely. Um, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, you know, there's a couple different areas, areas there of different types of uh, music we use to praise God, but like we said, it, uh, worship is more is more than just music. Um, I have uh, some notes here. Let's see here. Uh, Romans 12.1, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So once again, worship is not relegated to just music, although music is a big part of it um, but we're gonna we're gonna dive into this subject uh here today so uh James why don't you start us off in our outline here um and uh, tell us what
0: we've got coming up first well, I think we've got a few helps here yeah so uh, oftentimes we get the question asked okay what can and can I do what uh, we've got freedom we've got we, we talk about that often in Galatians 5, one for freedom crisis that is free not to be under the yoke of bondage but to be under the yoke of Christ and, and to be able to live in that freedom and what it looks like. And so we're not here to tell you a bunch of what you can and can't do. We just want to give you some guidelines, some helps of ways that we can worship God uh, in a mighty way. And then the, the, we'll close with Psalms 100 and we're going to break it down uh, expositorially and we're going to give you four different ways that. You are able to worship God. The first one is this. We must be discerning of what we listen to. Uh, this is understanding that everything that goes in our ears affects the way we think and act. All right. So I labeled it like this. This is music and or content. Music and or content. And what I mean by content is podcasts such as the probably the greatest podcast ever. Uh, released the for freedom podcast these are these are things that you listen to these are areas of your life that you are letting come into your life that are going to affect you and influence you and and part of that is music but other uh, this can be talk radio this can be tv shows this can anything that we are allowing to be in front of us this is discerning and allowing ourselves to to put off some of these things to put on godliness the bible says to put on those things Uh, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says it like this. Um, Once i just flip my page over, my bad. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Pray in the spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication that to the end be alert with all perseverance and supplications for the saints. Pray for me that the power may speak, may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mysteries of God. He says to be alert there to watch out for the things that are around us. I was telling Brett when we were preparing for this, I said, I listen to a couple of political podcasts every single day of my life, almost. I like to stay aware of what's going on in the context of the world and different political views and know what's culturally around me. Not that it affects what I do, but oftentimes I will find myself, because I love politics, I love listening to it, it affecting the way I think or even the way I treat people by listening to some of these, um, things that I'm putting in my ears. And I said the other day, I said, Brett, I said, I sort of had to take a quick little sabbatical from listening to them. And just when I was dri- cause I, I drive more now, it's 20 minutes drive to the church. And so uh, I've got plenty of time where I'm driving, I'm listening and I've got, uh, things that are playing in my car. And I said, I, for a couple of days, I didn't listen to a podcast. I just turned on worship music and I hit play every time I was in the vehicle because I could sense in my spirit, that I was being um, transformed, as you said in Romans twelve, by the things that I was listening to, and I wasn't allowing God's word and God's worship to transform me. So, so it's been discerning to what we're listening to, and allowing the music and the things that we listen to, making sure they're lifting us up and not tearing us down. Exactly. And when we talk about music, uh, we're talking about.
1: Music as a whole, as in the the song, the words, the lyrics, the message of the song, which, by the way, I would like to just say talk about this just for a second, because I've had a lot of pushback from local pastors. Of course, you know, you're going to have pushback from IFB guys and and different things like that. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, music is in just like the rhythm, the beat, without the words, just music. So, I am I would be classified as what you would call a musical relativist, and and what that means is that music, in my view, is is amoral. So what matters is the words. I mean, worship in itself is a matter of the heart, uh, but I still believe that a Christian composer has the freedom to use any style and any materials, okay? No style should be considered off-limits in expressing the gospel. So music without words is amoral, uh, it's neutral. And, And when I say that, what I mean by that is sound itself cannot express truth, communicate belief, or proposition truth. I believe that style is neutral ethically, and morally, any chord, any rhythm, any instrument should be theoretically acceptable for worship. Like, like the sound of a saxophone is not more or less immoral than the sound of a clarinet or violin. I mean, James, there was there was years years ago you couldn't play a saxophone in church because it was associated with with sensuality. But, but that that that's not the case anymore. You know, a, a reggae beat is no more evil than a waltz or a march. And and people that argue that music and rhythm and beat by themselves without the lyrics can either be wrong or immoral or immoral, man, they've got a lot of good thought out arguments that sound logical. And, and all the research that I've done, they've got no Bible to back it up and any Bible they bring into it is, is taken out of context. Um, However, I will say that depending on the crowd, a certain type of music may not be appropriate. Okay, you mentioned earlier Seventh-day Slumber. Okay, um, I was just recently introduced to them. And, you know, now, now I listen to them all the time. And, and what they do is they take contemporary songs, contemporary Christian songs that you might hear at Passion, and they put them to a rock beat. Now, these are Christian songs concerted, uh, converted to a kind of heavy metal rock beat. And listen, I'm going to say that there's there's nothing wrong with that, but it, you know, at the same time, am I going to allow that for worship on Sunday morning at the church where I pastor? No, not because I think it's wrong, because I know there's going to be people in the service that feel that that style of worship is not appropriate for church. Now, my goal is just like Paul, is to teach everyone to be strong. That's what Paul was trying to do. He was trying to teach everybody to be strong and and to accept meat offered to idols. I think this goes into the meat offered to idols uh, scripture. Uh, when, when Paul's talking about this, he says, look, the earth is the Lord's, and this meat, it, it comes from the earth. Paul said, look, there's nothing wrong with eating the meat that's been offered to idols. I mean, we know there's only one God. So when you offer the meat to these, you know, these fake gods— But then he warned us not to be a stumbling block to the weak, because if somebody that has a weak conscience sees me eating meat that's been offered to idols, well, then that's going to be a stumbling block to them, even though there's nothing wrong with it. So I'm not going to eat that meat in front of them, even if there's nothing wrong with it, because I I don't want to be a stumbling block. So say you have a church, and I say this from a pastor's perspective, because I'm a pastor. Say you have a church that for years only played hymn music. Well, I you know I know as a, I know that there's nothing wrong with the contemporary style of worship music. So I'm going to begin to slowly introduce the newer music to the church and try to bring them out of that that thinking. And as they get stronger, I'll introduce a little more. And 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 you know you, you've got to get to know the crowd and use discretion. You want to bring people out of this mindset that the only way that it can be done is how my grandparents used to do it in the fifties to a modern day way of thinking where you can be all things to all men that by all means you may reach some, you know, set. Yes. We're to be separate from the world, but we're to be separate from the sin of the world. You know, so that's the only reason why I wouldn't play something like seventh day slumber on a Sunday morning in my church because weaker Christians wouldn't be able to handle it. But other than that, I think that any music style should be redeemable. If somebody does something bad with a style, well, then the Christian should be allowed to come in with wisdom and associate it with something good.
0: I like that. One of the things I'll give uh, a personal illustration here, Uh, my my brother-in-law, he's a black man. My sister married a black guy and uh, i was playing something the other day for him uh, a worship song something that i, I listen to often I, I can't remember exactly what it was and he told me he said james if i listen to this on a regular basis i would go to sleep he said it's the most boring thing i've ever listened to <laughs> and so uh, i'm thinking okay well how's this boring like I, i'm worried like this is this is uh, this is my soul Like this is awesome but then i i got to thinking and you know, he, he, he was raised a different way than I was his, his whole way of life. I mean, he was on the drum line. He he played drums in the, in the uh, marching band. So I mean, after games they would have a drum circle and they were going crazy and it was awesome. And so I, I found some worship music by guys that had that style that I wouldn't listen to. And I sent it to him and he was like, dude, that's some great stuff. Like I couldn't even understand the words they were saying because they were talking so fast and he was like, dude, those are some of the most powerful words I've ever heard. And I'm literally responding like, I don't understand the words they're saying. <laughs> but because he was raised in that culture, he understood it. And it was appropriate for him. And I think that's what we're getting across here is we listen to, and understand what is appropriate for us. Number two here on some few helps for us is guard your heart above all else. Uh, we have two gates to our heart. We have our eyes and we have our ears. What we watch and what we look at and what we listen to affects our heart. We are to be protectors of our heart. We must remember that we control what we have access to in our heart. Proverbs 4:32 sorry, sorry Proverbs 4:23 says, "Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." One one reformer says that our heart is an idol factory. And what we put into our heart, what we put into our eyes, will eventually produce idols for us to worship. And so we must make sure that what we're putting in will eventually put out the right idols for us to worship, which are going to be glorifying God and allowing us to grow closer to him. And so if we're putting things in our heart, through our mind and through our ears, through our eyes and through our ears, we eventually will put out the wrong things in our actions as well. And so we must understand that what we're doing must be guarding our heart because eventually it's going to come out one way or another.
1: I agree. You know, the heart is the source of our thoughts, attitudes, beliefs, and actions, and it can lead us down a path of righteousness or it can lead us down a path of destruction You know, because we are born with a sinful nature and our hearts are predisposed to sin. So we have to be so careful what we allow in our heart, because that will come out of us. It will control our actions. Uh, One of the things that I've done for years is I've got this app on my phone and it's called Pandora. And I know it's no new thing. There's a lot of people out there that know Pandora Radio um but what what i like about it is you know you can thumbs up a song hear it more often and hear more songs like it or if you thumbs down a song you know then you'll never hear that song again now listen you know we we do listen to secular music now we we at the same time we listen to k love we listen to christian music we listen to gospel music we listen to contemporary christian music one of my favorite stations on my pandora is the Casting Crowns um radio so i guess i guess our relate we can't have a relationship anymore yeah. because i listen to Casting Crowns radio That's right That's right Um but listen we listen to other stuff too we listen to country which listen 90s country is the best country out there there is no better decade for country music than 90s country Should have been you
0: know? a cowboy
1: I know <laughs> So uh but you know we listen to rock too but you know, the important thing I think is whatever you listen to, listen to the words. I'm very careful about whether, you know, even you know, Christian music can have the wrong message. And when we listen to secular music, it, it can be sinful. So, you know, if there's cussing in the song, I'm going to thumbs down. Immorality in the song, I'm going to thumbs down. I'm not going to listen to it anymore. You know, songs about cheating and getting drunk, we're not going to listen to any of that. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I have a radio station on my phone that plays all Creed all the time. I mean, I mean, higher. I mean, come on. That's that's I think that's, uh, uh, you know, Christian music. Creed. How could you say it's not? But but like I said, it's where I'm coming from. It's about the message of the song. It's about the lyrics of the song. Yes, you can listen to worship music, but, you know, you you can with discernment listen to secular music, too. You don't always have to listen, you know, and that's what we were. We were brought up thinking if you didn't have a House Anderson Quartet CD in your CD player on repeat and that was the only thing you listen to all the time, then, you know, you're you're sinning and you're wrong. I can't tell you how many times I've had to burn CDs uh, after coming home from camps when, you know, you just use a little bit of discretion uh, there's nothing wrong with secular music as
0: long as there's nothing nothing sinful in it. Brett, you said Creed and I had to look them up because it's been so long since I've listened to Creed. Creed is doing a concert series with Three Doors Down. Oh, wow. I don't know if you can get a better lineup than Creed and Three Doors Down in a group to sing. So,
1: so many millennials are going to be at that concert. It's just going to be they're, all they're millennials. Doing, they're going for it.
0: I, I'm just going to spend some but Brett, They're doing a lineup here. They're going to be in Little Rock, Arkansas. They're going to be in Texas. They're not going to be in North Carolina, unfortunately. Oh, this is, this is incredible. This is, this is man. You just brought me back to my, my high school, middle school years. This is, this is fantastic, man. I love it. Um, I'm going right.
1: to, I'm going to not, I'm going to be merciful to our audience and not do my Creed impression for them. So I'll Oh, Hey, I'll save that for the Patreon.
0: There we go. As soon as we get done with this, I'm listening to a Creed and Three Doors Down song. All right, uh, Brett, give us number three. What? So we're, we're discerning what we listen to. We're guarding our heart. What? What's the next thing?
1: Next thing is rem- remember that music can help or hinder your spirit. Because, listen, music has power. Mm. And, you know, think about in the Bible, think back to 1 Samuel 16 where you had David, you know, Saul had an evil spirit on him. And David came in and played uh, his harp, which, like I said earlier, was was not like a harp like we think. It was more like a lyre, almost like a guitar of the day. And and David David would play that, and it soothed Saul. It soothes that evil spirit and brought a good spirit on him. Music has an effect on you. There's nothing like listen. There's nothing like being in a service man that worship music just getting a hold of you and moving you and you just forget about everything else in your life and you forget about your bills you forget about your job uh, you forget about the doctor's appointment you got and all you're thinking about in that moment the only thing in your brain is worshiping God and it feels like you're worshiping alone like, yes, there are other people in that room, but in that moment, you're so in tune with worshiping God that it feels like there's nobody but you and God in that room. There's there's nothing like that, and what can nothing can bring you in to the presence of God faster than, than, than music. It has that much power.
0: Yeah, and you're so true on that, Brett, because there's been times where— Uh, you know, I'll just be in a funk or in a, you know, in a style that's just, you know, it's not right. And I'll throw on, I've got on, I don't listen to Pandora. I have Apple music. And so they have your station that is just a combination of the songs you have downloaded, the stuff that's in your Apple music, uh, all these different things. And so for me, it's a, it's a mix between Southern gospel, contemporary country love songs, and I'll just hit that, that my station, And a song will come on, you know, uh, maybe a Getty song that that I just hadn't heard in a while. And all of a sudden my firm foundation is on the Lord. And and it just begins to minister to me and changes my spirit uh, in a way that is so powerful because music has that effect. Worship has that effect. Our lifestyle has that effect. You, you you've you've been on a mission trip before where or in your community serving and you go and you help someone you you serve them by worshiping and loving with them and you walk away blessed more than that person that you just served because your actions affect the way your attitude is and and we've got to remember that the, when we begin to have worship when we begin to fellowship with god it changes every part of our body not just our emotions but it changes our actions. It changes who we are and what we are designed to do, and, and which leads us to our next part. Number four, uh, for this one, worship is more than music. Worship is more than music. I'll leave it like this. It's our whole life. Romans 12, one and two. Uh, I, I'm going to flip to it real quick. Uh, most of you probably could say it by heart and I probably could too, but I don't want to butcher. I want to, I want to read this and maybe read it a little slower than what we would maybe read it before, because this is a summation of what our life should be it says. Therefore brothers, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove which is your good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because this this is our life. It's our whole life to be worshiping the Lord. It is a sacrifice of who we are and where it's a sacrifice of saying, God, if it's my time, you can have it. If it's my body, you can have it. If it's if it's my actions, you can have it. If it's I'm driving to, to a store and I see someone and I want to help, it's everything that we do is part of our worship. It's more than just music, but music is a huge part of it. Music is powerful and it's a mighty thing in our life, but it's more than that. And when we understand that it's more than that, we understand that it is our bodies that we are sacrificing, that we are giving God everything that we have. You know, McDonald's
1: sells more than just hamburgers, Right. Amazon sells more than just books. And so that means that worship is more than just the music portion of your service on Sunday morning. Music is is so much. In fact, the key elements of worship encompass so much more than music. Now, music certainly is a significant part of it. But doing some research, there's about nine different key elements of worship. And they are public prayers, vocal and instrumental music, public testimonies, financial contributions, public scripture reading, expositional preaching, observing the ordinances, speaking words of spiritual encouragement, and confessing faults. Listen, when you gather as a church— to worship God, you should engage in all of these activities and you should do it with an attitude of awe, a heart of submission, an expectation to serve. And, you know, and, and not every worship gathering is going to f- feature every one of these elements, but all of these elements should regularly inc- occur in our worship and gatherings uh, to some degree with one another. And just like Romans 12:1, we present our bodies, that is our worship. is when you present your body to God, when you make a sacrifice to God, when, when you when you worship Him in any way and that's singing, that's prayer, that that's studying the Bible, all this is a part of our worship. You're giving and, and we need to not relegate our worship to just music. Worship is so much more.
0: Yeah, I'll read one more passage of scripture before we get into the Psalms here. First Corinthians 1031. It says it like this. Very familiar passage of scripture. Therefore, whether you eat or drink. Or whatever you do. Do it all to the glory of God. And I think when we get to that point in our life where we can say. Everything I'm doing. Whether it's walking down the street. Whether it's sitting down and eating a dinner with my family. Whether it's sitting outside and hanging out and lounging on the back porch, whatever I'm doing, it's for the glory of God. It's I'm going to give God the glory. It's it's looking out and seeing the trees and seeing the animals run around the trees. And you're saying, God, you made that. God, God, you made me to be in this spot for a specific reason, to see those animals, to be a part of this culture, to be a part of this world at this specific time, so that I can influence this world for this specific time. And it's understanding that God has created us for that purpose, and we give glory back to God in everything we do. And that is what worship is. It's every area of our life, not just when we're at church for a couple hours singing and preaching and listening to people sing to us. It's more than that. It's our whole life. It's giving worship back to God every area of our life. And so Psalms 100, uh, Brad, I'll have you read that. Uh, because these are this psalm is is a fantastic psalm on how we can worship God, ways we can worship God. I I, I preached this simple four point outline just the other day, and I uh, thought it would be helpful for us. And so we're not going to preach it today. We're just going to give these thoughts to you and help you out a little bit. So Psalms one hundred, uh, Brett, read it for us. Make a joyful
1: noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord He is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations.
0: That's so good. It's such a, a powerful song because it begins by starting out. This is Psalm of David. Uh, who begins by saying publicly, everywhere we go, we should be praising the Lord. We should be making a joyful noise unto all the earth. Uh, As I was thinking through this and even meditating on this as we were uh, preparing for this, uh, the thought came to my mind, this is doing, worshiping Jesus, making a joyful noise in front of other people. This is not just in our private time. This is, and we're going to get to that. He gets to it in verse three, but in verse one, he starts out by saying, this should be public. This should be a joyful noise. I've never met someone who goes outside and makes a noise and I can't hear them if they're around my house. My kids, they go outside and they're playing and they're jumping on the trampoline and they're moving dirt around the house and they're making noise and I hear them because they're public, they're outside, they're doing things, they're, they're making noise things happen. They're moving things around. They're getting on each other's nerves. And when we are in public, we should be making a noise unto the Lord. We should be making this thought around what we're doing all about Jesus, because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it for everything that we do. And so we should be making a joyful noise everywhere we go. Brett. You know, I remember whenever I was
1: a teenager, I was pulling up to a restaurant to pick up my buddy And, you know, I had my windows down. It was the summer and I was playing, uh, you know, a a worship song on the radio. And, you know, I wasn't trying necessarily to make it to where people heard it. It was just a normal thing that I do. And I remember stopping. and I remember a lady stopping me after I got out of my car and said, you know, you encourage me with that song. Uh, Hearing that song come from you, you're a teenager, you're, you know, you're, you're listening to country music or not worship music comes music on the brain uh, but you're listening to worship music and i think that's such a good thing i just want to let you know it was such an encouragement to me and i don't say that to ring my own bell it's that we should be constantly praising god it says make a joyful noise so you don't have to sing well you just have to sing listen you shouldn't just give a sacrifice of praise on sunday sunday is not the only day you're allowed to be happy Right. See, you are we are the church wherever we go. So we should praise God outside the walls of the church as well. Going down the street, mowing the lawn, in line at the grocery store, wherever you're at, regularly sing praises to God. Just like you quoted Colossians three, sixteen. We're to admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So I'm So, yes, I'm singing to God, but I'm also singing for your benefit. I'm singing to admonish you, to encourage you, to remind you of the truth. That's our ministry to one another. So, yes, we definitely need to sing publicly. Now, the second part, and I'll go into this second part here, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his praise with singing. Uh, So first publicly, and then we should praise the Lord, you know, we should praise with our family. You know, we equate that to, you know, family devotions, uh, worship, and just do something with your family. You know, we have family devotions. Um, It doesn't have to be the same thing every time. Uh, But, you know, the kids need to see you pray. Uh, The kids need to see you worship God. The kids need to see you uh, read the Bible. Uh, James, what does your family devotion look like?
0: Well, Brett, we've done so much uh, variety over the years. Um, When this verse says, serve the Lord, I get this sense of that we should be together serving together. Um, We have uh, every night without fail, as much as humanly possible, uh, I pray together with each of my kids individually. Um, And so we we do a, uh, I have a a song that I sing with them. Uh, It's the same song every single night. I have a poem that I read to them every single night, same thing. And then I pray with them. Uh, but on top of that, and we've been busy these last couple of uh, months, and so we have failed to do some of this. But in the past, we have done the catechisms. We have done the Little Pilgrim's Progress. We have done the the Bible story, uh, Easter Bible story, where you begin and you, you begin at Christmas and you read the birth of Jesus and you read through his life and you end at the resurrection on Christmas uh, Easter Sunday. Um, uh, and we've done that, uh, through the, the Bible reading time, but, but I, I say all that to say, we, sometimes we'll just be sitting there and we'll throw a worship song on TV and we'll just worship and we'll just sing. And yeah that would be our devotion time. Uh, but everything we're doing, we're, we're pointing our kids back to Jesus. They make a bad grade in school and I pray for them. And I say, Lord, be with their mind, help them to, to focus more, help them to everything we do we're trying to bring them back into the the reality that we don't do this alone we are here and we are created to come before his presence and singing when i'm taking that test at school i'm in front of god and i'm 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 in front of his presence and i need to glorify him with gladness in that moment and so it's constantly reminding our kids everything we can do uh, to bring them back into the presence of the lord Um, And so for us, it's, it's, it's always looking different. We don't, uh, I told Allie years ago, my wife, I said, uh, I don't want to get into the point where um, every night it's me preaching my Sunday message to them and, and using them as a test subject. I I don't want this to be a Sunday school lesson every night before we go to bed, because what they're going to do is they're going to begin to resent that they're going to begin to resent church. I said, I want worship to be fun. I want worship to be exciting. I want it to be a time where they look forward to it. They look forward to me coming in their room, and it's just me and Jade. It's just me and Brody, and eventually it'll just be me and Hudson, where I am just spending that last couple of minutes before they go to bed with them. And it's some of my most memorable times uh, as a parent. Amen.
1: I agree. I think that, you know, mixing it up, there's no formula. There's no set way to do it. There's nothing that says you have to do it this way. You know, Bible reading, worship time, incorporate different things. You know, it doesn't have to be a cookie cutter thing. And I think variety and, uh, you know, family devotion time is a wise thing. The kids will remember it. And like you said, they'll look forward to it definitely yeah
0: next up we see we, we start publicly we we begin to enter into his presence with singing family but then in verse three it says this know the lord begins to be very personal he is god it is he who has made us specifically talking about us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pastures and so i title it this way publicly family privately this is the, the times where we have our own private devotions where maybe it's a song that we're singing and or, or maybe it's a, a scripture that we read that we begin to meditate on the goodness of God, the greatness of God, who he is and what he's done for us. We had Jason Riddle come and do a marriage conference for us, and he mentioned the, the, the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude, meditation, prayer, tithing giving of ourselves and and he began to think about these things and me and him were this was just me and him talking personally and he said oftentimes the spiritual disciplines we felt we failed to do sorry about that we failed to do because we just weren't taught right how to do them and he said oftentimes when we get into a spiritual discipline of just meditation where we just focus on a passage of scripture and we just allow it to turn over and over in our mind we allow it to turn over and over in our hearts it changes the way we act and think because scripture is impacting our life you know we we live in such a busy world that silence is is a taboo topic it's hard for us to sit in silence but that's what Jesus would do. He would get alone on a mountain. He would pray and he would sit in silence because he knew he needed it. And it's a lost art that we have. And when we need to get back to this point where we are able to have private, loving devotion with the Lord, where we're meditating, we're praying, we're praising, we're, we're throwing a song on, we're just worshiping the Lord. But it's got to be privately. We're going to have times where it's public, we're in our family. But we've got to be times where we're working on ourselves as well.
1: You know, Jesus is our ultimate example. And how many times do we see in the Gospels that he went off by himself alone in the wilderness, in nature, getting close to God? You know, I'm reminded of Matthew 6-6 here. And even though it's part of it's Matthew 6-6 is about prayer. Uh, you know, prayer is an act of worship. And Matthew 6, 6 says, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Listen, life is busy. I mean, the phone is ringing. The TV is blaring. The kids are fighting. The dog is yapping. How in the world can we find time in this busy world? To get alone with God and pray and worship and read the Bible privately, alone, go off by ourselves. How can we find time to do that? Well, we have to make time. Yeah. You have to decide to carve out time in your schedule to worship privately, to pray privately, to get alone with God. You know, there's an old saying, if you fail to plan, then you can plan to fail. You know, you have to plan time. You have to schedule that alone time with God. And see, the thing the thing is, is that, you know, we prioritize things in our lives according to how important they are to us. You know, it, if something's important enough to you, you will find time to do it. We're going to find time to eat that supper. You know, we're going to find time to watch our favorite show, you know, so because those things are important to us. Well, alone time with God, worshiping privately uh, should be more so important to us. And we'll find if we make it a priority, we'll find time to do it. And then we'll go into number four, which is corporately. So we've got publicly, family, we've got privately. And now uh, verse four and five, we're going to worship corporately. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. So, this is us corporately uh, getting together. And, like I said earlier, you don't have to sing well, you just have to sing. But when we get together and we sing corporately together as a church, as the body of Christ, that is our opportunity to give our sacrifice of praise. As priests in his service, and that sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips. You know, you know, James, you know this, and I know this. When you are in a church and everybody that's in that service is singing, and I mean everybody, and everybody's participating, it's just a different vibe. I mean, it can change the whole feel of the church. And when visitors come into a church like that and everybody's singing loud, man, they automatically think, wow, man, there's there's something special about this church. You know, there's something special here. The people here are invested. They're saying, man, I'm looking around and everybody's singing. I, I've never been a part of a service like this. Let me Let me give a little illustration about this. Me and you went to Israel. Now, there were some things that I knew were going to have an effect on uh, that I didn't know were going to have an effect on me. But then there were things that I knew, yeah, this is going to have a big impact on me. One of those was the Garden of Gethsemane. But the other thing that I knew was going to have an effect on me was the Garden Tomb. Mm. And we sat there on those bleachers, and she said, this is Calvary over here. And she pointed to a cliff. It was a bus station down below, it was a Muslim cemetery up top, and you could just make out the skull in the side of the cliff face. But we were 30 yards away from where Jesus shed his blood. Now, it might not be the place, but all evidence points to this being the place where Jesus died. And then we walked past the wine press in the garden where Joseph of Arimathea Uh, It was a commercial garden, so they dug down and found the wine press, and then we went into the empty tomb. You know, it was just – I never in my life thought that I would be in that empty tomb, and I almost did not want to leave. I took some pictures. I took video. They told us not to stay in there a long time, but I lingered longer than I should because I did not want to leave that tomb. And James, you know that after we left that tomb, we went into a side room
0: mm-hmm.
1: where we would take communion. And we 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 took the Lord's Supper and we ate the bread that represented his flesh. We drank the wine that represented his blood. And then we began to sing. Now, this is a group of 30 pastors. So when we sing... We're all going to sing, just all 30 of us, and we're going to sing loud at the top of our lungs. And man, we sang in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. And listen, I've been in bigger worship services before, but I've never been in a bigger, more impactful, spirit-filled service than 30 pastors in one room singing at the top of their lungs in Christ alone because when we sing when we when we corporately worship God together that invites the presence of God and it was so powerful and it was so moving and as we walked out of that room our tour guide was standing at the door he was he was, he was a lost Jewish man named Amir and this lost Jewish man turned to Marcus our leader and said man that was that was powerful wasn't it so even a lost man could recognize the power that's in a service when every christian that's participating when they give it their all they engage they sing man it invites the presence of god there there's nothing like it you know w- once again i know we've read this verse two or three maybe even five times But it applies so much. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're to admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Encourage, Encourage each other. Remind each other of the truth. And there's nothing better than corporate worship when everybody's participating.
0: Absolutely, Brett, man, that was bringing me back emotionally just now thinking about that. <clears throat> I've got all that on video. I'm going to look it up here in a minute and, and listen to that in Christ alone, because I recorded all the audio while I was in there. Uh, I want to share two moments with with you just uh, corporately. Uh, so years ago, six years ago, we went to a, a call together for the gospel. I think it was like five or six thousand pastors got together in the Yale Auditorium there in Kentucky and. I was up on the balcony, <clears throat> third floor, I think, and just hearing every all those men sing together, corporately, we we're just worshiping the Lord, uh, was like nothing else as well. But I want I want to share this one other time because oftentimes we will uh, the argument will be, well, why why do I need to be in church? Why why do I need to be around people? Why do I need to worship with other people? Well, uh, I have the opportunity as as lead pastor. I know what I'm preaching. I know where the Lord's leading me. And so I'll send some songs that that have impacted me as I am preparing for my message to our music leader. And I'll say, hey, these are maybe some songs that we could practice, our choir could sing, or we could sing as a congregational. And uh, it's happened more than once in the last six months. But I'll send a song and then I'll be listening to it, preparing my heart, preparing my mind for the worship and for the word that I'm going to be preaching But when we get together as a church and we sing that song together, it's like the Lord uses it in a different way because I'm hearing these other voices, not just the professionals on, on the soundtrack, but these other voices that are singing along with me and we're just worshiping together. And I'll find myself oftentimes just sort of broken with tears and not having the words to say, because corporately we're coming together and we're worshiping the Lord. And it's just something about that because god has command even in psalms 111 1 it says praise the lord i will give thanks to the lord with all my heart not just part of it not just at times when i'm feeling happy but with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly it, there's just something about coming together worshiping the lord with fellow brothers and sisters who love jesus who love one another who want to see the gospel move forward and ultimately Uh, when we begin to think of worship and music in our life, it's more than just music. I want us to understand that because worship is not just getting together on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock and singing a couple of songs. It is every single moment of our day, every single moment of our life, worshiping the Lord in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And it's an active service every single day. Brett, any final words?
1: I just think that this is such a great subject to talk about. When I came out of legalism, I was lost. Um, I had no reference. I didn't, really didn't know what was right, what was wrong. I had to kind of fumble through the dark in this subject to kind of find my way, do my own research. And while that was good and was healthy, I just wanted a resource to kind of guide me through it. And so I'm glad we're doing this. Um, I think that it's a, it's a great subject. Music is important. Worship is more than music, although music is a big part of it. It's a big part of our Christian life. It's a big part of our church life, um, our worship life. And uh, I'm just glad we
0: have this conversation. Absolutely. And until next time, to God, not the pastor, be the glory. Found that good grace, found that healing, and the tears fell down my face when I found my beginning that has
1: no ending. I found that second chance. Thanks for listening to the Four Freedom Podcast. If you enjoyed our content, do us a favor by liking, subscribing, or sharing our podcast on whichever podcast platform you use. Be sure to join us next time for the Four Freedom Podcast.